0: Today on From A to Ziggy, all the young dudes. Welcome to From A to Ziggy. This is the podcast in which we listen to every David Bowie song in alphabetical order. My name is Thomas. My name is Travis. And today we're talking about all the young dudes. Not some of them, all of them. Every single young dude. Let's start with David. Uh, he's a young dude from
1: the London area. So, right away, this is one of my favorite songs from my childhood. I grew up, on, up with the Mott the Hoople version. That was just what got played on classic rock radio in my, in my neck of the woods. But yeah, I've always been very, very fond of this song. It's been on a few classic rock mix CDs I've made for myself over the years. Wasn't as familiar with the Bowie version, but, yeah, this is a classic. This is a great tune. What age would you say you were when you first heard the -The Montekuble version? Ah, God, I could have been as young as eight or nine. There was a lot of... We listened to the local classic rock station pretty often in my house, so it was just something that was always in the background. Or I should say how young a dude were you. I was a pretty young dude. You were about a nine-year-old dude. I was about a nine-year-old dude.
0: How young a dude were you when this song came into your life? I was. I think I was about 18. I didn't hear this song until... Napster came into my life yeah and I think I heard the Mott version first I don't remember what the context was either it was just this this weird song and I never heard any other Mott the Hoople songs
1: after that yeah I had never probably between the time I was in elementary school until I was like 25 or 26 we had um, my old roommate who's a huge David Bowie fan so she kind of was the one that kind of pushed me further down the Bowie track but she, we were cleaning the apartment and she had put on her David Bowie Pandora station and uh, there was a couple of Moth Hoople songs that came on i don't remember the names of them but they were really good like I, the, it's one of those bands that i'm always like man i really just you know dig into some Moth Hoople sometime and i never do yeah i still haven't ever listened to any other Moth Hoople songs they're weird they're a little weird right. yeah but that's probably why David Bowie liked them so much he
0: did like them a lot he gave them this song one of his best songs.
1: Yeah. Just gave it to them. Just to get them to stay together. And initially, it was going to be the Gene Genie. Really? I believe that was what I, I was, No, not was Gene Genie. Was it Suffragette City? It was Suffragette City. They had yes. turned down. They turned down Suffragette City. And so,
0: so that wound up a, a Bowie track on Ziggy Stardust. So they had had like a long string of unsuccessful albums. And they were ready to break up. And who was it? The bassist from Mattha Hoople got in touch with Bowie after listening to the tape that Bowie had sent them of Suffragette City. He said to Bowie, Do you have do you know anybody who's looking for a bassist? Cause Mot the Hoople's breaking up. And Bowie uh, says, Hang on there, young dudes, don't don't break up. Because I I can write you a song that will save Mot the Hoople. And sure enough, he writes the song that saves Mot the Hoople. And it's an awesome song. Why did he give this away? I read somewhere that it's because he had already he had just done these two albums and he had a whole backlog of other songs that were coming out he was just about to release a single so he didn't really have time but that doesn't make any sense he was also trying to be like songwriter david bowie and so he was trying to shop out yeah his songs to other people
1: i don't know but it is kind of a a theme that will pop up throughout his career working with other artists and helping them out with songs helping them improve their work and help collaborating there was actually, so uh, Rolling Stone just put out a really good David Bowie tribute. And there, there was little bits and pieces from uh, artists who were influenced who had gotten to know him over the years. And there was a, a bit from Iggy Pop. And he was talking about how he had had a chance to meet David Bowie. And while Iggy and the Stooges were working on Raw Power, he had sent them some of their demos to get his impressions of them. And, you know, when David Bowie said to them, well, yeah, I see what you're doing, but these aren't very good. That made them work even harder make these songs even be better and make Raw Power raw power so yeah it was just a thing that that i guess this was kind of the stepping stone for something that would pop up over and over david bowie finds an artist that he likes and kind of hitches his wagon to them and and the way E. pop framed it is kind of like this ultimate seal of approval that made you want to be better at your art if you wanted to be included in david bowie's stable of artists that he approves of which is so interesting the way that dynamic
0: evolved between him and iggy because iggy pop was one of the influences on David Bowie for developing the Ziggy persona. So then...
1: Uh, yeah, it's really like
0: this mutual admiration society. That yeah, they had. right. right. Uh, speaking of admiration, Bowie was a big fan of Mark Bolan and T-Rex, who he name drops in this song.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of name
0: dropping going on in this song, actually. And
1: actually, so the that's one of the big differences between the two versions. Is oh, yeah? the, uh, the Mata Hoopal version, they don't do the, the T-Rex... Don't they? ...name drop. I don't think they do.
0: They do it, but they. I think they use different lyrics. Like... Uh, all right, let's, let's clear this up once and for all. Okay, welcome back. We just verified.
1: Turns out I'm wrong. Uh,
0: yeah, fact checked and verified. Uh, yeah, they do do the T-Rex name drop, but theirs is different. Theirs is different because they say, oh man, I need a TV when I got T-Rex. Bowie's version, he's talking about, this is in the context of the television man, you know, the guy that's like dissing youth culture, uh, calling them juvenile delinquents. And then Bowie says, but who needs a TV when I've got T-Rex, I've got my favorite band, just got my record player,
1: yeah.
0: and FM radio, who needs TV? Well, you guessed it. I'm a dude. Dad? Is that how that goes? I'm a dude dad. I guess dad was like cool speak, hip speak for... Yeah, I guess it was guy.
1: Still kind of like Daddy-O as the tail end of that being a thing to say to people. Was dude a word back then? Did people call each other dude back then? Uh, It was probably starting to be a thing.
0: Alright, so this has got a lot of name drops. There's T-Rex, of course. Not sure who Billy is, but he references Wendy and Freddie. These are uh, two of Bowie's friends. Wendy, Kirby, and Freddie Beretti was uh, the costume designer during the Ziggy era. And speaking of promoting new talent, Bowie was going to try to make this guy, Freddie Beretti, the, uh, the next Mick Jagger. He put him in front of uh, the band Arnold Korns, who had a couple singles, and dubbed him Rudy Valentino, and uh, of course, those didn't really go very far, but the two songs were uh, Moon Age Daydream and Hang On To Yourself, which oh. later became Ziggy Songs. Ah, oh, yeah, I've never heard that other version. Oh, they're, they're really something... <laughs> Very different from the, the final versions. Yeah, check those out. We'll we'll talk about them. Yeah,
1: eventually. So, what's this song all about, anyway? Apparently, it was uh, since it was initially going to be if if Ma had used Suffragette City, this was presumably going to be on the Ziggy Stardust album. And it's uh, about how Ziggy spreads the news with oh. there's music.
0: So, this is going along with the the whole Ziggy mythos. Yeah, it's part of that whole story, According to
1: the website I had read, so it might be the internet making something up, but it sounded plausible. It's got the ring of truth. Yeah.
0: It's got truthiness to it. It does have
1: some truthiness to it, so I'm, just, I'm gonna ride it and double down on it. I like it. Uh, so I guess there was also some frustration from Mod the Hoople after it came out, because it was people as... Tends to be their want when songs come out. Misinterpreted it and started treating it as a "this is a voice of a generation" kind of song, or carrying the news for our current set, which is you know something that repeated itself for our generation when "Moozer" and "Smells Like Teen Spirit" came out. And people were like, "Oh, these songs are about being the voice of a generation and carrying the mantle." This is what we're all was, about. Yeah, and meanwhile, the artists were just like, "No, this is these are just silly songs with no meaning that sound good." Smells Like Teen Spirit got its name from a deodorant. It's literally about deodorant. So it's kind of a similar thing, although the message with uh, all the young dudes was actually, there actually was some meat to it, just not the meat that they wanted it to be. Whereas the other two songs are just hodgepodge of words that the artists thought sounded neat together.
0: Yeah, it Smells Like Teen Spirit is much more...
1: It's nonsense. It's utter nonsense. Impenetrable. I've never been able to suss out any kind of meaning. Nirvana's always been one of my favorite bands, so I've done a lot of diving into stuff with them. So welcome back to the Nirvana and Beck (laughs) podcast, (laughs) occasionally featuring David Bowie. A lot of their songs, lyrically, he just threw together. It's just combinations of words that he thought sounded nice off of each other, that played off each other well. Most of the time, it was just like he wrote all the music and just needed lyrics and just through a crab together and let people... They're, they're basically abstract paintings. My
0: libido, a mosquito.
1: Yeah. Right. Just words that sound neat together. Whereas with all the young dudes, it actually was just part of a larger story, but was taken out of the context of a larger story. In what way? I mean, it, it fits into... It, it's supposed to be part of the whole Ziggy
0: oh, so yeah, right, concept,
1: right. but then it's just kind of plucked aside and given to a different band.
0: Right, um, that thing you just said. I yeah. <laughs> so here's... Here's the little bit of interpretation that I had picked up on, is that this is basically the narrator, for all intents and purposes, let's call him Bowie, rejecting the previous, the immediately previous generation of the hippies, their whole, like, peace and love kind of message. He kind of rejected that as not effective, uh, not effectual, just, like, completely useless. Whereas, you know, just a few years later, here's the next wave of youth who are going to really do something new, something different, and something with purpose. And it may not be a revolution, as in in the Beatles and the Stones kind of thing, because that's such a drag, you know, you never get anything done. Too many snags, it says. But but we'll do stuff, you know, we'll hit the streets, we'll
1: drink, uh, we'll have fun. Uh, And that's what it's really all about. And a lot can be said for that, because sometimes sometimes I want to listen to some music that makes me think and just, you know, I want to listen to the Beatles or I want to listen to Radiohead or something and I want something that's going to make me contemplate life's bigger meanings. Sometimes I just want to listen to, like, Something just mindless and fun. Sometimes I just want to listen to some 311 and space out for a little while. Sometimes you want to eat a nice meal. Sometimes you want some, you want a Subway sandwich. It's just as satisfying and gets the job done. Oh, this is better than a Subway sandwich, I guess. This is like a D'Angelo all, sandwich.
0: All the Young Dudes is your favorite local... Yeah, it's like a good deli. ...cuisine. It's like, you know, this sort of hidden away... Yeah. It's the best thing in the city that no, people don't really know about, but... yeah. Uh, Maybe the
1: foodies would be like, eh, oh, that place, that's nothing special, but it's still got some rockin' sandwiches. Right, and it's good and it's cheap yeah. and it's awesome. Sometimes, you know, it's okay to just want to listen to something because it sounds good. So yeah. It's fun. I right. want to drink a lot of wine, feel fine. Right. This song is
0: so good, in fact, that I think of it as kind of the song that you really just can't mess up. Like, you can't cover this... Song and mess it up.
1: Yeah. Well, that, you know, that reminds me of speaking of just the power of how great this song is. It reminds me of a few weeks ago, um, we had the local indie rock station on. We had 9 on at work, and this song came on. And we were like at opposite ends of the line at work, and both like sounded like, Nice! <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's one of those songs that's just, it's so good. You have to stop what you're doing and be very thankful that they're throwing this song on. Because it doesn't come on the radio that much anymore.
0: Right, especially then, that was before Bowie died, and they were playing all the, um, they're doing the thing now where you're hearing a lot more Bowie songs on the radio that you didn't hear before.
1: Yeah. And I guess also we should touch on that coincidence, too, in that the, uh, the drummer from Mott the Hoople. Oh, God, this is bad news. I thought you already knew about this. No. Oh, man. So Dale Griffin, the drummer from Mott the Hoople, passed away almost exactly a week, after, actually, yeah, eight days after David Bowie. Oh, wow. And just this kind of bizarre coincidence. Uh, these two artists that were linked together, um, yeah, right, right around the same time. Wow, first Lemmy, yeah, it was a really rough month for music. Then, uh, like Glenn Fry, yeah, even though I'd never really been that big an Eagles fan, it's still a pretty, pretty big deal. Yeah, 2016 really like kicked off by taking everyone,
0: yeah, so yeah, that's that's sad, yeah, um. What else can we
1: say about? Uh, did we already t- discuss like the kind of musical difference in it? Oh, so yeah, go ahead. So in the uh, in the chorus of the Bowie version, and I actually throughout a lot of the Bowie version, there's a lot more saxophone to it, and they um yeah they almost seem to get their heaviness from different areas. I think they're both like well very mellow songs. There's kind of a heaviness to them also musically, and kind of where the saxophone punctuates a lot of the lines in the chorus. There's like this nice really heavy crunchy guitar at the end of every line of the chorus, or at every couple lines of the chorus, it's like, bam, bam, all the young dudes. Yeah, and then, yeah. so it, it's, it's you, you kind of have one for each mood. If you wanna, the Bowie version's less heavy, and both versions kind of have their own merits, and it's nice to have different versions for different moods. Yeah. And, uh, and another big difference in it, uh, in the chorus, whereas David Bowie is just singing the straightforward all the young dudes carry the news, in the uh, in the the version, it's mostly it's just the backing vocals, which I believe David Bowie does still do the backing vocals on, it, or if it's just the other members of Monty Hoopo. he's he's credited with backing vocals. So they're singing the chorus, and then the lead singer is basically almost almost like a hype man, and it's just like I want to hear you, yeah. all yeah. of you, and it kind of it grabs you. It's it's like if you're listening to it in the car, like you feel. Like, you now need to really sing along because he's really just, like, getting in whipped into this frenzy. Yeah, he's speaking directly to the audience. Yeah.
0: And he's speaking directly to a fictional audience, or like an imaginary audience, because he's, like, calling someone up from the front row and, like, either coming on to them or it's either, like, a fan or a heckler. It's not really
1: clear. But, yeah, that's, that's such a weird
0: kind of surreal touch.
1: And I think maybe that's, in retrospect, maybe they regretted doing that. Because I think maybe that contributed to this whole, this is a call for the generation this is generational song like he's calling for all the young dudes to carry the news about i mean this was right around the time you know the tail end of the hippie movement and the summers of love and everything so it was maybe interpreting that as you know a call to the the free love generation to still be carrying the news because vietnam was still going on and there's still a lot of need for that counterculture so it does kind of that version more than the bowie version feels more like a call to action um, yeah he's doing that
0: Yeah, I think it's easy. It's easy to gloss over the line about the Beatles and the Stones and the revolution thing, which is clearly condemning the kind of hippie movement. Yeah. (laughs) Like too many
1: snags. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Right. But then like two minutes. Yeah, like less than two minutes later, you're you're back calling you into action. But it really is like a call to action to slack off. (laughs) Like, I'm calling you into action to stop being in action and just have some wine and have a good time.
0: Yeah, it is the loser of 1972. Yeah. And by that, I mean it's a winner, as far as I'm concerned. Which is why I would give it... I don't even know.
1: You know what? I would give it four Boogaloo dudes. Four Boogaloo.
0: So is Boogaloo a verb or a noun or an adjective? Are these Boogaloo dudes or...
1: Is I it, think it's mes- an adjective, it... like the electric boogaloo. Which is a noun. Yeah. So maybe it maybe it's using a noun as a as an adjective thing. Like uh how someone is a hipster, but you would also be like, Oh, that hipster dude.
0: Right. So in this case that boogaloo dude.
1: Yeah. Four of them. I give it four. It's because this song does. It's got a special place in my heart because it just. I. I always. It's one of those songs I don't even remember the first time I heard it because it's just always kind of been there. It's always been very good. And then there was also periods in my life where I kind of forgot about it when they stopped playing it on the classic rock radio. And now hear it again, be like, oh right, all the young dudes is an amazing song. I also give it four Boogaloo dudes. Yeah,
0: this is a really fun song, and it's a great sing-along. Like, all that talking to the audience, it really is, like, that's exactly what you want to do.
1: It's what you picture your karaoke night is going to be like after you've had enough wine. Like, you think everyone's going to sing along with you, and you're going to be standing up there like, I want to hear you!
0: Right, instead of what you actually are. Yeah,
1: this song feels like the Doors version of Alabama song. Yes, this is more Doors <laughs> This is what song. you're experiencing in the Doors version of Alabama song.
0: So somebody should make the uh, the flip side of this, the uh, the Bowie version of Alabama song version of all the young dudes. Which, interestingly
1: enough, is not the Bowie version of all the young dudes. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking of, uh, I don't know, I'm thinking of, um, gosh, what's the guy that does the song about the cigarettes? All right, I'm thinking of Mac DeMarco. Don't hate me, internet, for thinking of Mac DeMarco, but... I'm thinking, like, he could do, like, the, uh, the stoned, uh, drunk version and really, like, represent
1: uh, what it really is like Yeah. You try to do all young dudes at karaoke night.
0: Anyway, enough of that.
1: Yeah. Um, covers. 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 Did you
0: hear any covers? Any other versions I hear of this versions. song? Did see I did. So, uh, Bruce Dickinson... covered this in 1990 for his first solo album. Interesting. Bruce Dickinson of Iron Maiden does a version, and this is why, so if you look at the video, look up the video for, uh, and we'll post it to Facebook, look up the video for Bruce Dickinson's version of All the Young Dudes, and you will see why you basically can't mess up this song. The strength of the song completely outweighs whatever you might do to the song cuz Bruce Dickinson does this totally <laughs> I mean the the ver- the version of the song is fine it's very close to the original versions but there's this one there's this one part of the video where he's like all right so the whole thing with the glam era is, is this like queer gender uh, clearing gender boundaries this sort of uh, celebration of all all kinds of possibilities, and, you know, dressing up in makeup and flashy clothes and and doing things that society, you know, the the heteronormative social norms don't allow you to do if you're a particular gender. And so Bruce Dickinson has this part in the video where he's got these really glammed up, uh, like, boy and a girl on either side of him. And he's singing to the boy. He's like nodding. Yeah, man, you're doing. You're really expressing yourself and doing some cool stuff. And then he looks at the girl. Yeah, you're look. You're looking really cool too. And then just sort of like pushes the guy aside and says. And it's like it's just Bruce Dickinson and the and the chick on screen. And he's like dancing with her. And oh, that's it's,
1: counterproductive.
0: Yeah, it's like really. Uh, it was really disappointing. Uh, great song though. I'll have to look that version. song works. The video doesn't. Bruce Dickinson apparently. Uh, Drives a seven forty seven. Yeah, I just yeah. saw that
1: the other day. Actually,
0: like he, he pilots the tour plane yeah. <laughs> for Iron Maiden. That's insane. What's it called, Ed's? It, uh, Ed Force One. Was it Ed Force yeah. One? Right. Which is an upgrade. They used to drive a seven fifty seven, and now they have a jumbo jet. It's like it's so rock and roll. So much better than a bus. Yeah,
1: because it's a world tour. You got to cross oceans. Yeah, you can't cross oceans. an ocean in a bus. No. Yeah. Future. And I, oh, I guess I didn't realize, I don't know how this escaped my attention. Maybe because I just wasn't a, a sophisticated enough listener when I was listening to Definitely Maybe all the time. That kind of rips the song off. This um, is Oasis, right? Yeah. In an older recording of whatever, by Oasis contained a reference to the song in line. All the young blues carry the news. And I go, oh, there's a uh, guitar part. From their single "Stand By Me" from "Be Here Now," which I can not oh, know I can't think of that song off the top of my head. I guess that was when I stopped for listening to that much Oasis. I know some songs on "Be Here Now," but not offhand. Yeah, I never really followed Oasis. There's a few years where I was
0: kind but, into Oasis. Yeah, "Stand By Me" that's from 1997, and I did. Yeah, I listened to it on YouTube earlier, It does have. It's got like exactly what you what you were talking about earlier. The "dum dum dum dum." Yeah, is in that one,
1: which isn't surprising. No, have, the Oasis that I do know, like they do have a habit of making songs that sound a lot like other songs.
0: It's um, part of rock and roll, and it's yeah. part of pop culture. Is uh, What did somebody say? Uh, borrowing and stealing. Geniuses.
1: Oh, is it? yeah. Uh, talent imitates. Genius steals. That's what it is. But Oasis is really kind of overt about it. But I think they're aware of how overt they are about it.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's any... I don't think in any of these cases where, where somebody comes at, you know, some rock people like Led Zeppelin, like, I don't think anybody was being disingenuous about being original. It's just that they, they were taking credit for it, and that's somehow not the same thing. Yeah. Uh, okay, maybe it is disingenuous. Once you get to that level of fame and fortune and recognition, I don't think you think about these kinds of things.
1: Until you go too far.
0: Right, until you get caught. Yeah. Um... And speaking of getting caught, um, I know you don't drive. I don't drive. Um, I'm trying to think of a transition to the next song.
1: Oh, what do we have next?
0: So... Oh! Oh, yeah. uh, I think that's going to do it for all the young dudes. All the young dudes. Who hopefully are
1: going to get in their cars and carry the news
0: yeah if they're not if they're not too too young if they're not such young dudes that they don't have their driver's license or permits then perhaps be able to drive an automobile um maybe a different one every day if you're as famous as uh oasis or yeah <laughs> hoople if not that then it'll be the same car always but hopefully not crash
1: yeah hopefully you're the, being safe and you're not always crashing in the same car
0: because Always Crashing in the Same Car is, uh, is the next song. Is the next song. We're going to talk about that next time. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, on Facebook, From Me to Ziggy. is our website. We're also on iTunes. You can find us there. Leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. I've heard that that helps, yeah. that that's a
1: good thing to do. And something we haven't mentioned in a little while. If you have listened to a few of these episodes and you would love to talk about David Bowie, we would love to have people talk about David Bowie. We sure would. You can contact us. Is there a song that you would like to talk
0: about? Yeah, and you can do that on Facebook and Twitter. or You can email us at podcast at fromadaziggy.com. We're uh, really happy that you guys have joined us.
1: So join us for always crashing in the same car. Uh, next time. It's true that God